Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. Yes, we're back. It's so good to be here every single day. Uh, What a blessing. What a blessing. What a ministry. I thank God for it. I thank you for tuning in. Cafe, it's nice and sunny out here coming through the window. And it's just a great day to be here in the cafe. Why do we do a cafe cafe, uh, theme? Why do we do a coffee theme? Besides the fact that I love coffee, we do it because when you go somewhere, well, I grew up uh, not being able to sit still, really. And when I would go to a coffee shop, I could sit still. Something about the white noise, something about the busyness, it, in a weird way, it just settled me. And that's how I did a lot of studying uh, in school for many years. And then when I got out of school, I just carried that on to just, I would work on my laptop in there because I'd always work um, with computers somehow, typically. And so I'd always be in there doing something, fiddling with it, and just found myself to be quite productive. So that's why we have this theme. I know if you've been listening to the show uh, for years, then you already know that. But if you're a new listener, you don't. But that's why we have that theme, amen, that it's like being in a cafe studying God's Word. And we've taken that approach here. We've taken that approach uh, with uh, Genesis 1 and now into Genesis 2. And we're going to spend the next several episodes covering Genesis 2, uh, and we're going to cover verses 8 through 10. But just to recap, recently we've been discussing uh, in Genesis 2 the Sabbath. So Genesis 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. That's Genesis 2, 1 through 2. And we spent many episodes, and if you haven't heard them, I encourage you to go back. Uh, you can look us up on YouTube. Every episode's posted there. Just search up KJV Cafe or on your podcast app. Go back and listen to some of those episodes on the Sabbath because we're not required to take a rest on the Sabbath day, but it is for our benefit, amen. It is uh, for us, amen. And so we see here uh, that God rested. We see here that that's a sign for man. And then we spent the last few episodes talking about God's sovereignty and his power. Uh, Verse 3, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. There was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And then verse 7 here, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so that's where we left off. And we talked just about how God's power has led all of this to occur in a sequence or a format that was very intentional and how man should notice this by simply reading the word of God. But why doesn't man notice this? Because oftentimes man is too busy in their life, living for the world, living in sin, putting the church on the back burner, 
putting the prayer life on the back burner, basically running scared from God, amen? Just running to the darkness. And when they do that, because naturally that's how they are, because that's what's happened ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and we're about to talk about the Garden of Eden today, they are not able to understand God's wonderful, sovereign power. You know, there was a song on the radio this morning as I was driving to pick up breakfast for my family and to go to Walmart. <laughs> we always got to go to Walmart for something, right? And I was their song was saying, you know, recognize the power in prayer. And it was a Southern gospel song. I don't remember the exact title, but it was about the power in prayer. And again, how many people don't recognize the power in prayer because they don't know the power of the prayer themselves because they haven't sat there and got right with God and spent time on their knees, begging the Lord to show them his will for their life, to show them his power in their life. Maybe they're afraid of what they'd find out because God is real and his power certainly is real. So what we're going to do today is we're going to touch on the Garden of Eden, God's creation, his perfect creation, and what that means for man then and now as soon as we come back from the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right, amen. Here we are right back. And uh, let's read our verses here. We're going to spend the next uh, several days focusing on, and that's Genesis 2. And we're going to go 8 through 10 here. Genesis 2, 8 through 10. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted and became into four heads. So here we have the introduction of the Garden of Eden. And anyone that ever wants to know how did the Garden of Eden come about, here it is. You know, where was the Garden of Eden mentioned in the Bible? Right here, Genesis 2. The Garden of Eden is mentioned here, again, thinking about God acting intentionally, sequentially, as the great engineer, the great designer of our all the world as we know it. God creates the earth and the heavens or the skies. He creates land. He creates the water. He removes the water from the land. He creates the animals. He creates the vegetation and the herbs and and the seeds that will then reproduce. God does all of this in his genius and his majesty. And then he creates man. Amen. And he creates man right after uh, what? After the Sabbath. So he rests. Amen. He rests and he's got these herbs in the field and there's no one to till the ground. So guess what? He has the dew come up from the ground and he he sovereignly does this. And now what does he do? In verse seven, it tells us, again, seven, God's number of completion, by the way, uh, seven, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. It's also important to point out People say, oh, Lord, you know, uh, don't take my life. You know, oh, Lord, uh, help maintain my life. Don't take my life. He's not a taker of life. He's the giver of life. He, he's the, your heartbeat, you, the breath in your lungs. Who controls that? You don't. Now, you may be able to hold your breath a little bit. You may be able to go hop on a treadmill and get your heartbeat up, your heart rate up, if you will. But you don't really control it. You can't tell your heart to stop beating. And you can't tell yourself to stop breathing because your body will literally force you to gasp for air. Amen. 
And so who controls it? God controls the breath. God controls the heart. So instead of saying, oh, you know, thank God we didn't die. How about thank God for another day that we lived? Thank God that we're alive. Amen. So we have here in Genesis 2, it starts out with verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put a man that was formed, that he formed. Amen. That was the man. And that would be Adam, okay, that he had formed. The Lord did the planting. And so we see here in verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden, okay? So just to hammer home this point a little bit more, God is sovereign and he is the one that did this. And I know you say, Brother Clark, you're like a broken record talking about God's sovereignty. Well, I have to keep mentioning it because somehow we're walking around in a world where everybody forgot. Everybody forgot he's sovereign, okay? He is sovereign. Like, you know, if all of a sudden we get that through our heads, that God's the one that planted Eden, and we're going to get to what Eden means in a minute, okay? It means very good things, that God planted Eden, well, then maybe that God breathed, that God-inspired word that's on the shelf there in the Bible or in the back of the car or who knows where, maybe that's worth paying attention to. Maybe that's worth committing to. Maybe that's worth selling out to, saying, you know what, God, you, you, you're sovereign. You planted Eden and you put man in Eden. You did that. You're, you're sovereign. Now the garden came first, but we see man mentioned because man has precedence. You know, we learn later on in Genesis 2 that man is to tend to the garden. Uh, verse 15, to jump ahead real quick, and we'll get to this verse, uh, imagine in a few days, but and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So verse 15 tells us the man is now in charge of the garden. Of course, verse 5 tells us in the same chapter, just 10 verses earlier, there was no one to keep the garden. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no, not a man to till the ground. So we see in verse 5, nobody there to till the ground. So God does it. He has the dew come up. He handles the garden. God plants the garden. God puts man in there. And then we learn in verse 15 that God intends a man to dress it and keep it. So some lessons here. Obviously, man is meant to work because God gave him a job pretty much immediately. So if you're wondering, does God want you to work? You know, Maybe you're one of those that say, hey, I just like to rest and have a good time. No, God wants us to work. And God gives us um, authority, if you will, over his creation. He gives us uh, the, the ability, you know, to tend to his garden. And Eden, you know, look this up on your own. Eden means paradise, pleasure, delight, luxury. Think about that. That's where God put man. We have God's perfect creation. We have not yet seen the sin curse enter into the world, okay, we have God creating man out of the dust. We have God's perfect garden. And now that becomes a home for Adam and Eve. Yes, it's Adam at this point, but soon enough, Eve will be there. That's their home now. God created this place for them. Is it a harsh place? I don't think so. I don't know exactly what paradise looks like, but of course, if you know me, you know I love the beach and I try to go as much as I can really to any of them. I haven't met a beach I don't like, honestly. I don't think. I like them all. Uh, but 
I don't know what paradise looks like, but you, you know, you can imagine some of these pictures. I remember my mom, uh, she, she never hardly left the house, but you know, she got pretty sick when I was very young, but she had a picture up of, of a beach and it, it was tropical. It was very, very tropical. And I have to guess it must've been somewhere in the Caribbean, maybe Aruba or something. I, I don't know. And I would look at that and say, wow, that's really different than this suburban town outside of New York City that didn't look anything like it, you know. And to me, that kind of looked like paradise. It was warm. The water was blue. The weather was fantastic, uh, you know, on and on. I mean, I don't know what, what much more you need besides that. But if you think about it, paradise is oftentimes created not by man. It's by God. He creates these wonderful things for us and with us. And he gave this to Adam. He gave him not hardship, but a wonderful place called Eden. And so God, the creator, wants, I believe, to give us that again in in the form of heaven uh, when we leave this earth, but certainly in the form of peace as we tarry on this earth. That's the idea that Jesus calls us to yoke up with him, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's the whole idea there, that Jesus Christ is a friend to us, that God wants to comfort us, that if you start looking around and realizing God's sovereignty, as pointed out in Genesis 1 and 2, then all of a sudden everything is a gift from God. You know, that breakfast you had, that's a gift from God. That that ride you got to school or to work, that's a gift from God, you know, Uh Whatever it is, the roof over your head, that's a gift from God. We, we're trying to attribute way too much to ourselves and way not enough to God Almighty. And when we start attributing those things to God Almighty, we really can be grateful and we can realize that, hey, you know, God desires the best for us. And if God has given us so much already, how can we even imagine what heaven looks like? Or even here on earth, how can we imagine what a really close walk with God would look like? Because I can tell you it's the best thing in the world to walk closely with the Lord. My best part of the day, I thought about this today, is prayer time in the morning. Because I wake up and I'm a bundle of nerves and I'm tired and it's cold in the house, etc. And the sun's barely coming up. And by the time I'm done praying, I feel like a warm blanket inside. Amen. Because God's comfort and peace has just washed over me. And that's nothing about me. It's all about him. And that's nothing about that. that's exclusive to me. It's for anyone. It's available to all. It feels like an exclusive love, but it's not. Jesus Christ wants that relationship with you. That excites me. I mean, that is like Eden here on earth. You can have Eden in your heart when you have a closeness with with the same creator God that created that luxurious paradise for the first man. That same creator God's alive today. And tomorrow we're going to pick up right where we left off looking at the Garden of Eden. So tune in. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.